Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Second Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read out of the message translation, so it may be different for you, uh, you but you can look up on the screen. And um, it's going to be a great month here at church. And don't miss next week, Jason Crab. Now, listen, I know, you know, it's easy to be late to church, but next week is not a week you want to be late because right at, if you come to the four o'clock, right at four o'clock, he's going to start singing. So be on time. So he thinks we're all saved. Okay. And we get to church on time. <laughs> so he doesn't have to start with 10 people. All right. So, um, that was a nervous laugh. Like, I'm not late. <laughs> Is that other people? Second Kings chapter seven. And, uh, Elisha said, let me hear that piano. You sound so good, man. And Leonard got a new haircut. You're looking fly as usual. Sorry. Second, he's back there behind the trees. He's hiding. He's so humble. Second Kings chapter seven. Elisha said, listen, God's word. The famine is over. By this time tomorrow, food will be plentiful. This is a 24 hour turnaround. (laughs) And he basically goes on to say how, how cheap food is going to get. They're going to go from a famine to an abundance. Okay. That's what he's saying. And then The attendant on whom the king leaned for support said to the holy man, you expect us to believe that trap doors opening in the sky and food tumbling out. But Elisha said, you'll watch it with your own eyes, but you will not eat so much as a mouthful. And it happened. It it happened that four lepers were sitting just outside the city gate and they said to one another, what are we doing sitting here at death's door? Now I want you to catch that. The, The word of the Lord goes out. One person doesn't believe, but now one group does believe. If we enter the famine-struck city, we'll die. If we stay here, we'll die. So let's take our chances in the camp of Aram and throw ourselves at their mercy. Now, this is one of the greatest lines in all the Bible. If they receive us, we'll live. If they kill us, we'll die. Isn't that awesome? That's like, okay, yeah, you're right. If they kill us, we will die. I thought it was funnier than you did. Okay. We've got nothing to lose. We've got nothing to lose. So after the sun went down, they got up and went to the camp of Aram where they got to the edge of the camp. Surprised, not a man in the camp. For the master, the master is God Almighty. God had made the camp of Aram to hear the sound of horses and the mighty army on the march. And, uh, and they told one another, the king of Israel hired the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to attack us panic they ran for their lives through the darkness abandoning tents horses donkeys bmws mercedes rolexes louboutins i mean everything just as it was as they ran for dear life and then the four lepers come in and they grabbed silver gold clothing and they went off and hid it then they came back entered another tent looted it again hiding the plunder but finally they said to one another we shouldn't be doing this This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. If we wait around until morning, we'll get caught and punished. Now, here's what I want you to know about this, that there's a window of favor that can happen in your life that you have to move on, that you can miss, and then you have to wait for another window. So they go, we we can't miss our moments. We have to do something with this right now. Let's go tell the news to the king's palace. One more scripture. This is John 16. And verse 7, the words of Jesus. Jesus is leaving the disciples. He is going back to heaven. He's about to die on the cross. In 
Three days later, he's going to rise from the dead, and then he's going to go on to be with the Father. And so he's with his disciples in the upper room. They're having their last meal, the last supper. And he says, guys, I've got to go. But in fact, it's best for you that I go. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. So Jesus says, we're going to leave this place, but you're not going to leave this place alone. The Holy Spirit is going to go with you. Now, one more time, this is just from 2 Kings um, 7 and verse 3. And it happened that four lepers were sitting outside the city gate and they said, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? And I want to preach about taking a step of faith tonight. And um, I want to preach from this subject. We can't stay here. We can't stay here. We can't stay here. Let's pray. Father, thank you that where we are is good, but we can't stay here. So cause us to move into everything that you have for us. And we give you the glory for it in the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone said amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Uh, In the um, 1800s and 1900s, there was a famed... Um, tightrope walker that uh, became world-renowned as he in uh, Europe would begin to walk across uh, different buildings in different high places. And uh, people started hearing about him. It was amazing. He would walk across blindfolded and all kind of different things. And someone from America found out about him. So he took a boat all the way to Europe, went to France, found him, met him, and said, I want you to come back to America, and I want you to walk across the Niagara Falls. And the guy said, that sounds great. Let's do it. So they go back to America. They set up a huge thing. And this man, for the first time, walks across the Niagara Falls on a tightrope. And uh, it's an amazing feat. There's thousands and thousands of people there. It was amazing. And after he walks across, he pulls out a blindfold. He covers his eyes, and he walks back again. And at this point, I mean, it's all the way turned up. You know what I'm saying? It is like people are jacked, and people are excited. And when he crosses back over, he then gets a wheelbarrow. And he walks across again. And this time it's kind of not that exciting because he's got the wheelbarrow and he's got the balance. And so the cheer kind of dies and it's not really that exciting. And then he looks into the crowd and he says, who believes that I can put somebody in this wheelbarrow and walk across again? And everybody goes crazy. We believe, we believe. He said, no, no, who really believes? Like, we believe, we believe. No, 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 I'm, I'm serious. Who really believes? Yes, we believe. And he looks at the promoter who brought him. He said, sir, do you believe I can do it? And he said, of course you can He said, no, 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 for real, do you really believe I can do it? He said, of course, you're the best. That's why I brought you to America. You can do it. I absolutely believe you can do it. And he said, okay, that is so great to hear. Get in the wheelbarrow. (laughs) Friend, in case you haven't learned it yet, that is the life of faith. That is Christianity in a nutshell. It's not sitting on the sidelines watching God do things for other people. It's not just watching Jesus do Jesus things. It's it's getting in on the action. It's getting in the wheelbarrow with Jesus and saying, I don't want to just watch something happen. I want to be a part of something. I don't want to just witness something. I want to experience something. I don't want to just watch God bless everybody else. I want to watch God bless me. And though it's going to be scary out there and cold and 
wet out there and it's going to be, it's going to be kind of wild out there. I, I believe that God can do something with my life. So I'm going to get in the wheelbarrow with Jesus. He, he's never failed. And I don't believe he's going to start with me. He's got a perfect record and he's not going to fail with me. He's never failed and he's not going to start now. So I'm going to take a leap of faith and I am going to believe God to do something in my life that I cannot do for myself. See, the reason that faith is faith is because in the natural, it's scary. Your flesh doesn't like faith. And your faith will never appease your flesh. They're always going to go against each other. One, one man said, you cannot be afraid and have faith at the same time. I totally disagree with that. I believe that so many times whenever you're walking by faith and believing God, your flesh is freaking out. But something in your spirit, because we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Something in my spirit says, okay, I'm scared and it doesn't make sense, but I also heard God and I know God and I know God's word and I know what God promised me. So though everything in me wants to run, I'm going to take a step in the direction of my faith. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's scary. Whether it's Peter walking out on the water, that, that didn't make sense in the natural. It was a step of faith. Whether it was the disciples feeding 15,000 people with a couple of pieces of fish, it, it was scary, but they took the step of faith. David walking up to Goliath, a, a little five-foot boy against a nine-foot tall giant. There was nothing in his flesh that was excited about it. Many theologians tell us that he wrote Psalm 23 as he was going out to fight him. I mean, this was a scary moment, but his faith said, I believe that God can do something in my life. Courage is not the absence of fear. It is obeying God in the middle of your fear. I'm going to say that one more time. I didn't get a lot of amens, but it was because you were posting it on Facebook. So I'm going to say it again. <laughs> Courage is not the absence of fear. Well, when I stop being afraid, I'll take a step of faith. You'll never take a step of faith. Courage is obeying God, is doing the right thing even when I'm afraid. If you wait for fear to leave you before you obey God, you will never obey God. Ever. If you wait for fear to leave before you tithe, you'll never become a tither. You'll let that bucket pass you every week. wonder what they do with all that money. And you'll never do it. <laughs> you got to break the fear. Fellas, some of you are single because you've never asked a girl out. Yeah, but they're going to they're say no to me. Well, toughen you up. If you think that girl's scary for saying no, wait till you have kids. I mean, that's scary. Better break through, man. What are we waiting? If you're waiting for the fear to leave before you take a step of faith, you will never take a step of faith. But a resolve has to come in your spirit that says, even if I have to do it scared, I'll do it. Even if I have to say it scared, I'll say it. Even if I have to pray it scared, I'll pray it. I do not want to live my life saying what could have happened, what should have happened, what would have happened if I would have broken through my fear and said yes to Jesus. No, I'm going to say yes to God. I'm going to jump in the wheelbarrow and I'm going to believe that God can do something with my life. Come on, let's give the Lord a big shout real quick and we'll move on.
And, and let, me, let me address this issue of peace. You know, people go, well, I don't have peace. You know, I, mean, oh, I got this little, ugh. When have you ever done anything great and not had a little, ugh? If you have reduced peace down to a little feeling in your tummy, you've missed it. Because peace isn't a feeling. Peace is a person. His name is Jesus. And true peace is not a feeling. True peace is knowing that you're obeying God. (laughs) Pastor Jensen said it this way. Step out and then find out. Sometimes you're just not going to know until you step out. And then you find out. But something has to get in your heart that says, but I can't stay here. Uh, This hasn't worked. So I'm going to try that business. And if it doesn't work, at least I can go to bed at night and be like, I tried. No, not everybody else can say that. I I started that company. I failed miserably, but it was awesome because I learned some things. I I asked them out and they laughed in my face and said I was ugly, but I didn't want her anyway. You got to get some resolve that says, I, I have peace knowing I did something. Yeah. I don't want to live a life of mystery wondering what could have happened. On, something in you has to say, I can't stay here. Yeah. And so Samaria, we find in the text, is in a terrible time. It's one of the lowest points of Israel's history. There is a terrible famine, a war. Uh, rebellion, disease, and death all around. I mean, it was, a, it was an awful time in the history of God's people. But it was in this time that a prophet spoke. And we right now are in a nation that does not need more panic. It needs the prophetic. It doesn't need the pathetic. It needs the prophetic. I don't want to come into the house of God and hear everything I'm already hearing on Fox News and CNN and everybody else. That's all bad news. I want to hear a prophetic voice from heaven that can break us out of where we have been and bring us into something else. I don't want to live like the world. I don't want to live by the same fears as the world. I don't want to be. I'm part of a different kingdom. I'm part of a different nation. I'm part of a holy nation, a peculiar people. And the reason that a church like this is so important is because this is a prophetic church. It's a church that speaks God's word no matter what we see. We declare the truth of God no matter the facts. We believe the promises of God no matter what we see in the natural. This is where God is calling us. And there's this man, Elisha, and he says, the famine is over. Come on. But it wasn't. Come on. That's good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It didn't break for 24 hours. But it was over first in the spirit, then in the natural. He said it before he saw it. But if you ever want to see it, you have to start saying it. If you will continue to say what God has said, God will begin to do what you say. Some of you thought that was heresy. God's going to do what I say. No, God's going to do what he said. But it's on your mouth. If you will say what he said, he will do what you say. Look at this scripture in Romans chapter 4 verse 17 really quick. I I think it's going to come up on the screen. And uh, and if it's not, then I'm going to butcher it. Try quoting it. And it's not going to be very good. 
Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. This is so good. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. It's, it's not, but when God says it is, it is. And Elisha says the famine's over, but it wasn't. But it was. Because what happens in the spirit is more important than what happens in the natural. This is why Joel would say, let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I'm rich. It's not denial, but it is faith. And some of you have gotten so caught up in keeping it real. I'm just trying to keep it real. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm just trying. Stop keeping it real. Start telling the truth. Okay, let's try that one more time. Not for a clap, but it was good. Stop keeping it real and start speaking the truth. I don't want to say everything that I feel because I say so, I feel so many dumb things. Today I went to get my coffee, saved, full of the Holy Ghost, ready to preach. I was excited. I went to pull in and this guy double parked because he had a beautiful S-series Mercedes that he didn't want anybody to scratch. And everything in me wanted to pull my little key out and just go, don't you ever do this again. Because I'm hood. Because I'm not totally saved. I'm being saved. I'm from New Mexico. We cut people. But I can't say what I feel. I can't, dear God, I can't do what I feel. So I go home, praise the Lord, and I go get my coffee. So we say what God says. We don't always do or say what we feel. And Elisha says the famine is over. He declares in the spirit before he ever sees it in the natural. Now, let me say this. Many times what God is saying to you and what you are seeing are totally different. But you have a promise. You have a word from the Lord and he declares this famine is breaking. And then there's this attendant on whom the king leans. And in verse 2, he says, do you really expect us to believe the famine is going to break. This thing is going to change. You, you really expect us to believe this? Now, now here's what I want to say. This man was in the king's house. Leaning on the king. Connected to the king. Connected to the prophet. But he could not believe. He was in the king's house. Connected to the prophet, but could not receive from the prophet. Because he got too comfortable in the king's house. Listen, we are to be comforted by Christ, but then uncomfortable for Christ. And you know you're getting too comfortable in the king's house. When you can no longer believe the prophetic promise that is being Preached by the preacher. Come on, come on. You, you want to do what? You want, why are you always doing Why are they asking for another? Asking for blankets? And they want new ones? They think money grows on trees. I mean, what? You're too comfortable in the king's house. They're going to sing this song again. They're going to do this song again. Here now, again. I know he's here. I mean, why do they got it? Why are they always doing You're too comfortable in the king's house. 
They took my parking spot. Why, why, are, why, why are you sitting in my seat? Why, you're too comfortable in the king's house. You, you've forgotten. It's, it's the king's house. It's not my, it's the king's house. But if you get too comfortable in the king's house, you'll miss the prophetic promise. Because see, you can never stop a move of God, but you can miss a move of God. Why are the lights so? Why are they so? You're just too comfortable. Wear sunglasses. You're too comfortable. You, we can get too comfortable where we think this is our house and not his house. And then we miss when his word goes out. Because we've gotten too cynical. We've, we, we've gotten too into our own thing. We've, we've, we've gotten too comfortable with the prophetic word. We've gotten too comfortable with the king. And, and I want to love the king. I want, I want Jesus to be my friend. He's my best friend, but, but he's my king. And I never want to speak out of turn with him. I never, I never want to question the promise of God, even if I'm not seeing it. Because I, I never want to get so comfortable in the king's house that I miss what the king is saying. Now listen, if you bring a new person to church, you're not worried about what they're singing. You're uncomfortable, and it's a good uncomfort. You're like, Lord, don't let them speak in tongues. Lord, let somebody get saved. Lord, let the music be good. Lord, let this person not think this is crazy. Lord, let them like my friends. Lord, let the usher be friendly. You're so, you're so uncomfortable because you're actually bringing instead of just sitting there. You know, I used to follow this food critic on Twitter. You know, food critics, you know what a food critic is? Now, here's what's funny about this guy. He could go in and take pictures of food. This is garbage. Never eat here. This is the worst. This is an estate. This is... Never been to culinary school. Never gotten a degree. Never had to do everything he could to get money together to start a restaurant. Never cooked nothing. And yet he can critique these people who have given all for their dream. And I just said, I can't even follow this because I never want to be that guy in church. I never want to be, oh, I hated that new album. I hate, I, I just don't want to be critical because it can get on everything about me. I never want to be that king's attendant that's just leaning like, oh, is it, uh, I never, I, I want to, I just want to be a guy who's excited about everything. I want to be excited about the new Adele record and the new Hillsong record and everything else. Why am I moving like this? I don't know because I don't want to be critical. I'm breathing. I'm walking. God is good. I live in Southern California. OMG, this is awesome. Come on, give the Lord a shout. You, you get it? I'm not beating anybody up. I'm saying, let's not, let's not get a critical spirit. And, and Elisha said, if you have this attitude, you're going to miss the move of God. But then it happened. In verse 3, the lowest of the low four lepers the one who religion said you're cursed the one who religion said you're forsaken the, the one who religion said you're unclean the outcast of society couldn't really even go into the city unless it was a need that's why they were on the outside but catch it there was something so willing in their heart to do something that when the prophetic word went out, they didn't even hear it, but they caught it. 
want you to think about this. They, out of nowhere, they go, hey, what, if, what about, why, why don't we, ding, it's a God idea. It was a dream. It, it was that thing that the Holy Spirit does where he illuminates the word of God. It's the desire. It's the thought. It's, it's the moment where the Holy Spirit does something in your mind where maybe in the flesh you go, this is crazy, but your spirit has come alive. And that's what they say. They go, hey, what, what if we, let's go, let's go, let's see what happens. Let's see if God does something. They were totally unqualified. But Ed Cole said this, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And God does not call you because you're perfect. God calls you because you're willing. Because there's something in you that says, God, if you could use anything, you can use me. And if you could speak to anybody, you could speak to me. And if you want to, if you want to do something great in the earth, Lord, I'll do it and I'll do it scared, but I'll do it. And, and there was just this willingness in their heart that said, we can't stay here. I don't want to just exist. I want to live. It was said that not, uh, that not, or excuse me, it was said that every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Something in these men said, Let's take a risk. Let's believe God. Let's, let's go after the promise. And if we die, we die, but we're going to die anyway. Like we're not much better here. So what are we doing? Let's believe God. The band can come up. And, and so they begin to move. And I want you to catch this. Once they decide to move, God backs them up. Once they begin to take a step towards their promise, all of heaven gets behind them. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way, one person with God is always the majority. See, you think you're walking onto that business alone, but what you don't realize is that you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And by the way, they never roll alone. They always come with angels. So every time you walk anywhere, you bring all of heaven with you. You don't know it, but the enemy knows it. Okay, we're going to get there in a second. They didn't know it, but the enemy knew it. They didn't hear it, but the enemy heard it. And when they take a step, God takes a step with them. The miracle did not happen till they walked. Isaiah 52 verse 12, God says it this way. I'm leading you out of here. Where's here? Here is comfort. Here is your current season. Here is where you have been. I'm leading you out of here. And the God of Israel is also your rear guard. God is saying, when you take a step of faith, I'll go before you. Oh, and I'll be behind you. And I'll be on your left and I'll be on your right. And I'll be above and I'll be beneath. And everywhere you go, I go. And they began to walk. (laughs) They began to take a step. And they didn't hear it. But the enemy heard it. You, you, you got to picture this in your mind. Every time you take a step, the devil hears it. 
Every time you walk into that home where you have an unbelieving family member and they're cursing at you and they're making fun of you. Maybe it's a spouse. I don't know what it is. And man, you don't, man, you just feel the oppression. But what you don't realize is every time you step on to that place, every time you walk onto your property, all of heaven is backing you up and you don't hear it, but you're not walking alone. You have a whole army behind you. And the enemy goes, the, they, they must have hired other armies to come help them. They were right. It was an army, but it wasn't a natural army. It was a spiritual army. And whenever you take a step of faith, the armies of heaven go with you and they begin to literally clear out whatever's in front of you, whatever would try to come behind you, whatever would try to sideswipe you, whatever would try to come from above or from beneath. When you obey God, you get God. They take the step and all of a sudden the enemy flees and the famine has been broken because they spoke, because they walked. And now they're in their blessing and all of a sudden they they go, wait a minute. This isn't just for us. This is for our family. This is for our city. This This is for everybody outside of here. Out, outside of our tent outside of our church this is for the waiter when we go out to eat after church right now this is for our co-workers tomorrow morning especially the crazy ones maybe you are the crazy one I don't know this is for my unsaved husband this is, wait this isn't for me and so many times the progress of God and the blessing of God stops in our life because we made it about ourselves and not about them. And they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're, we're not gonna, we're not gonna waste this. This is a day of good news. And so Jesus in John 16 is with his disciples and he says, guys, how's the dinner? They're having the last supper. They go, it's, it's brilliant, Jesus. I don't know who the caterer was, but it's awesome. John, is the lamb good? It's perfect. It's perfect. Thomas, how's the pita? It's okay. I just don't think Thomas would have been that excited. Judas, how's the wine? He's like putting it in his jacket. Like, oh yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. Non-alcoholic. Yeah, okay. Peter's yelling at everybody, eat all your food, eat all your food. And they're having this, they're having this beautiful time in the upper room. And he goes, guys, isn't this great? That's great, Jesus. Isn't it great? It's awesome. He goes, okay, guys, but, but we can't stay here. You got to (laughs) go, but I don't want to go. And and none of us do. We, we want to stay in the upper room. We want to lay at the feet of Jesus and worship. We just need to worship longer, man. We just need to come to the altar and just swear. I don't know why I always hear people say it that way, but they have that voice, you know? We just need to like, oh man, it's like, what were you smoking before? I don't know, soak or smoke, I don't know, but. And, and we all want the upper room. We all, we all want that, right? We, we, we love it, but, but Jesus says, but you can't stay here. He goes, because if you think this is good, Wait till you walk out in obedience into everything I have for you. He goes, because 
The moment you leave this place and obey is the moment the Holy Spirit comes upon you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is not for the upper room. Oh man, we had church tonight. The Holy Ghost moved. Well, I'm, that's great. But if you took that out there, then you would really see him move. And we can get so comfortable just at the table with Jesus. But Jesus says, we can't stay here. Fellas, it's, it's time to get in the wheelbarrow. It's time to take a step of faith. It's time to change the world. And that's going to be messy. And that's going to be crazy. And, and, and all of you in this room are going to pay the ultimate price and lay down your life for me. And, but the world will change. And millions and billions will, will come to me. And, the, and history will be shaken forever. But you have to leave where you are. And it's scary. But here's the deal. If you'll take the step of faith, the Holy Spirit will be there. And some of you are saying, God, where are you? And God is saying, I'm on the other side of that step of faith. If you'll move, he'll move. If you'll walk, he'll walk. If you'll speak, he'll speak. If you'll pray, he'll pray. If you'll act on what he said, he will meet you right there. We can't stay. And if God is leading you to take a step of faith in some area, it might be business, it might be with family, it might be for you, this, here might be unforgiveness. And you've got to leave here. But, but it's scary to think about forgiving them. But if you'll take the step, Holy Spirit will be there. For some of you, it's, it's, it's the fear of not having enough money. And so you can't give because... But, but you're here and you don't want to be here. You don't want to be here so scared. And if you'll just take the step of faith, the Holy Spirit will be there. For some of you here is hiding out in the church somewhere, but you haven't got involved because you got hurt at your last church. And so you haven't taken that step of faith and you're scared, but, but you can't stay here. I don't know where here is for you. Maybe, maybe here is that you work at a place and no one even knows you're a believer and it's time to share your faith with somebody. And it's scary, I know. But something in you has to get like these four minutes saying, we can't stay here. And the moment you move, you'll move. Who am I preaching to? Who needs to take that step of faith? Let me see your hands all over this place. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.